midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and with me today, as always, is a uh, history scholar of the Super League, Logan Stump. How's it going, everybody? You have to, you know, write a book about uh, the the forty eight hours that that league yeah, lasted. <laughs> it might take me a little bit, but and by a little bit, I literally a little bit, and it won't take much. It might actually take you longer to write the story than it, was, <laughs> than it lasted. <laughs> it's true. And with me, as also, uh, also, as always, is the man that single-handedly killed the Super League, Matt Arkrove. Oh, I hope that's what I become known for. <laughs> Could great. you imagine if it was like somebody hears that and that just spreads? They're like, oh, I don't know. I heard Matt Arkrove like single-handedly like took them down. <laughs> Make me an owner. I would create my own super league. Oh, yeah. We have some ownership news here as well that we'll have to get to with Arsenal, uh, though it's probably a pipe dream for Arsenal fans. Um, but today we have to cover some of the... Okay, so if anybody listened last week, we kind of didn't talk any games at all. We went like two hours and some of just talking Super League, how bad it is. Uh, and then the next, and, and, and while we were doing that, Florentino Perez was on TV giving us live updates, uh, saying that they may not even be 90 ga- mi- minutes anymore, that this, you know, just kind of listing off things that he felt was wrong with the sport, I guess. And then we get the next day, uh, it falls apart. And uh, while Logan and I are recording Stateside Soccer Show... Oh, this is two days later. While Logan and I are recording Stateside Soccer Show with Hernan, our guest, uh, Perez is on TV again, uh, giving out how all of the teams that left him could not leave him and just kind of going on a whole bunch of rants again. And he has continued to do so since then, saying that the contracts were binding and that they can't leave. But... Uh, I am sure there had to be some sort of clause about leaving or or these teams. Uh, it kind of happened pretty quickly. Uh, Chelsea fans were protesting in front of Tuesday's Chelsea-Brighton match. And then uh, they were even blocking the team buses. Petr Cech had to go out there and plead for them to let the team's uh, buses come in. The match was delayed by like 15 minutes. And the Super League just fell apart from there. Chelsea let it let it be known that they were uh, 
going to be withdrawing, though City, you know, stole the limelight by withdrawing first officially. That doesn't count, right? Chelsea was going to be, Chelsea was was already in the talks of doing so. Um, City have to win something in Europe eventually. (laughs) That's true. That's their European. (laughs) Back off that. (laughs) Logan's Uh, been mean recently, so I'm going to be mean to him. Oh my! And then yeah, at the uh, at the uh, the net, then it was like uh, Chelsea left, City left. It took hours later for the other English teams to leave, but by the end of Tuesday, all of the English teams had left. Uh, there was rumors that Barcelona left right after Chelsea, but then they're still in it right now. So, uh, I mean, their ownership or chairman said that the vote would have to go to the fans and uh, you know, it's doubtful that the fans would vote for that. So, uh, Atletico Madrid, I think was the first non-English team to withdraw. And then you had some of the like AC Milan and it was AC Milan withdrawing. I think it's pretty much down to Real, Barca, um, Juve and maybe enter. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, the uh, we're already at the knockout stage of the European Super League, as people have been pointing out. So, uh, Logan, we'll just get your thoughts here first on the the rise and fall of the European Super League. A day that goes down in in, uh, in infamy, I guess. I, you know, it's interesting because we talked about this, just how much that we felt the fans pushed back because when we last recorded, we, I mean, if you go through and look at all the comments towards clubs that these people have supported for 40 or 50 60 years depending on the fans um there was a lot of pushback and and rightfully so i think that you know you're looking at a historical time where these clubs that thought they were so super decided that you know it was in their best interest to kind of break off into this league but i think the fans really went to show and i think it shows just how impactful fans can be on any level in sports i think that if you get enough fans to rally around the, the it, that much money being lost is what caused this kind of just to deteriorate. I know Chelsea and city reported that they were that fans and their supporter groups, the big supporter groups um, from each of those clubs uh, along with Anfield. I know that the, that they actually went in and ripped down the banners themselves um, to basically say that this isn't, this isn't what we signed up for. This isn't what we will watch, and we will no longer continue to support uh, this if this goes on. So I think that it just spoke to the power of the fans, and I think that people listened to them. So I thought it was, I don't know, it was really cool to see kind of this uprising of fans being able to kind of throw off these rich leaders of uh, clubs that clearly don't have the interest of the people and the fans uh, at heart, and all they really care about is the money and greed, um, which it's really hard to separate as a fan. It's hard to separate you know, but I, I can go on hating owners because I think there's a lot of uh, amnesty against owners, I guess. I, I know with my teams here in the States, none of my owners have been outright and, and done what's right with their teams. But I think it's easy to hate, hate on owners and just kind of watch these clubs that we've been watching uh, and kind of remove them because it came out that that the owners took onus on, hey, this was our fault. This wasn't their fault, which is something that I thought was strange because, um, you know, they had always been so quiet. But, yeah, those, those are my thoughts. I, I really love that the fans were able to kind of just cause this upheaval and, and really overthrow the decision and cause these clubs to come cowering back. 
Matt, any thoughts here on the end of the uh, of the end of the Super League? I part of me or this iteration just, of it. <laughs> and I was just say I, I feel I still think it was just some big ploy at this point. Um, everything they brought out just didn't seem right. Like it, it didn't seem like a bunch of businessmen. It, it it just didn't seem to be the final product a bunch of billionaires would be able to send out. You know between the website and how Real Madrid's president was answering questions. I, it just seemed like he was winging it. And it almost just makes it seem like this was just like a first draft iteration of what they were trying to do. And, and maybe something happened that we'll never know that caused them to release it a little bit earlier than expected. Um, and then clearly all the fans and the, you know, writers and, broadcasters and it seemed like every single person even like late night talk show hosts like i know james corden he had he did like a whole like six seven minute segment about how it's changing and ruining the game um and i just it, it just seemed like they wanted to put it out there and in the end i you know maybe real madrid's president is just really dumb and we don't realize it because it does seem odd that he's still sticking with it uh when it's clearly done like there's no chance for it right now there's just zero um, so I don't really understand his viewpoint of all of this, but I don't know. It just, it still doesn't fully sit right with me in a sense of, I think we're missing. I still think we're missing information. There's something that we weren't told. Um, cause it just doesn't, doesn't seem right yet. It just doesn't, I, I don't think this is the end of it either. Like, I really think you're going to have the same issue a couple of years from now, unless something drastically changes or UEFA changes and I don't feel like UEFA is going to change because now their big competitor, the Super League, didn't work. So they're probably sky high in confidence. Like, we can do whatever we want now because what's the worst they're going to do? Create a Super League? That didn't work out the first time. Um, I don't know. It would be interesting to watch how it goes, but I, I definitely don't think this is anywhere near the end of it. Um, we're going to be having a conversation like this every couple of years until somebody or an organization or even if the like government over there puts a stop to it. Because there's always going to be money. There's always going to be someone who's going to be willing to finance this kind of stuff. Um, and I just eventually the problem is that money rules a lot of different things here in this world. And if people are offered a specific amount, they will try to go against the grain if it means it. Um, so it's just I'm happy it's not happening. I just almost still kind of concerned as to what's going to happen in the future with it. All right, let's move on to two clubs that wanted to leave uh, the Champions League, um, probably because they never won one, uh, both in a cup final uh, this weekend, Manchester City and Tottenham, uh, facing off in you know, the, the best cup competition in the world, the Carabao Cup. And that was, yes, that was sarcasm a bit. Uh, but we have... Uh, we didn't even get the chance to talk about Jose Mourinho getting fired last week because uh, they announced it like, I think it was the day after the Super League news or it was the day we record it. So it was the Monday. Yeah, so it was the day after the Super League news and uh, we didn't even get a chance to bring it up on our show. But yeah, Jose was fired like last Monday and they had a cup final on Sunday, the upcoming Sunday. Logan, 
why would they let him go when he had a chance to prove that he could win a trophy for the team? Uh, I, I think that's kind of setting it up. Or were they worried that if he won it, they'd have to stick with him? Or, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems weird to not... He got him to the final. Why not let him at least see out that final? I think there's... I definitely think there's something that he said to ownership that they didn't take to very well whenever the Super League stuff started to come out. Because it just doesn't... We had this conversation. It doesn't make any sense. Like, if you were going to fire him, this was... This was a move that should have happened, I mean, months ago when this team was just kind of just treading on water. It just, it, I, it seems really strange. And the, the timing of it was really weird. It was that next morning, like right after all this crap hit the fan. And there were reports that Tottenham players weren't reporting to training and he was kind of behind it. But, you know, whether that's true or not, I, I do think that it was something to do with the fact that he wasn't liking the direction that this club was going in with that league. And, and I, you know, he he hadn't been great. I, the team's just not been a, a really good team um, under him. They they've really struggled to just kind of find their footing. But I think there was more to it than just it. Just was really awkward timing. And it, to be honest, it it did seem like that that might have been a little bit of the truth that he was behind some of this. Like we're not going to do this if if this is the way that it's going to go. And I think maybe he thought that the other managers were going to kind of do the same thing with Klopp and Pep. But I think they had the benefit of of being a little later in the day um, to kind of see these reactions. I just it was really well, I will say Tottenham's to come out and uh, reports come out and said it had nothing to do with the Super League. Right. Uh, apparently, well, Jose I, did yeah. not make a stand uh, like like it was originally reported. I don't believe it. It's just really weird. Like, why? I, it doesn't make sense. Like before a cup final. in a team that just doesn't uh, hadn't really done much on it under him. And this was one time that he could. And I just don't buy it. It's weird. It's it's very strange to me. This this move should have happened months ago if that was the case because this is not a team that was going anywhere anytime quick. I, I don't know. I, they can deny it all the way. And I, I don't I don't buy anything that the English clubs and and people say in England as far as pundits and stuff because there's just so much cloud over there. It, it seems like nothing really is honest reporting until it comes from like a club official. Uh, like writer, like somebody that's inside the club that knows exactly what's going on. Because every time that it seems like there's reporting, it seems like it's shot down. Like Sky Sports and uh, what's the one over there that's really goal or something like that that report all the time. That just uh, tabloids. But I don't know. I'm not buying it. It's something weird. Uh, Matt, uh, do you are you buying it? Does it have anything to do with the European Super League or just uh, his time up? And if so, why before a cup final? I don't know. I I really just don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't even know if I have an opinion on it because it just doesn't seem. It seems odd. It doesn't seem like. It just seems like a confused organization. Honestly, um, I don't think it has anything to do with the Super League. And even then, honestly, Jordan, your your like um, your idea of firing him. So if he wins, they don't have to keep him. Like that that makes more sense than probably anything else like I've heard or read, um, because it it at least has some basis to it. Like you know, maybe they they were worried like we can't fire the one coach that got us a trophy, but also like we I don't they don't want to deal with him anymore. So then how do you fire the one, the one coach that gets you a trophy? So 
I don't know. I just, it's an organization in disarray. And honestly, um, I don't really know who they're going to replace them with. I guess I, you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of throw out some ideas and I, this is where I'm always intrigued with soccer because I feel like Tottenham have a chance to go for a coach that they can try to build around, or they can go for the super veteran, like the super veteran replacement that hops around the top teams. If there's one available, I'm sure there's, there's gotta be a couple like Allegri's probably out there or, you know, I'm not saying he would go there, but there's always a few coaches that you're like, okay, that guy might go there. That guy might go there. But then you also have some people have suggested people like Graham Potter from Brighton um, or, you know, they were kind of slightly probably looking at Nagelsmann before uh, the news came out today. Um, I don't think he would have taken it when offered between what he did just take. Uh, And the other one I saw was Scott Parker was another person I saw that people were kind of like, maybe they'll bring him out of um, Fulham, which Scott Parker did play for Tottenham. Um, so maybe he'll, he'll try to like build that team up, but I'll be intrigued to see who they hire. Cause I, I do hope they go more toward the, let's build a team and a coach around the team other than the Jose Mourinho type hire. But <clears throat> I don't think we're ever going to know really why they did it. I, I think they're a very confused organization right now. Yeah. You know, if there was only, I don't know if there's only a coach that could bring in the youth and play attractive soccer that was available that, you know, could lead them to a champions league final. But, uh, I can't think of who I'm thinking about. Who am I thinking about right now? Frank Lampard thinking about, yeah, (laughs) I am thinking about, of course, Pochettino who is, uh, at PSG now and was on the market for a while I still don't understand why they fired him. I get they were down low in, for a while uh, at, to start the 2019 to 2020 season. But then we had... Uh, that's when it was, right? 2019, I think. Yeah. They started off slow in 2019. Uh, but then look, you, you look at people like Arteta that started off that slow as well. Now they're in 10th place. Uh, Pochettino had just taken him to the Champions League final. It just doesn't make any sense. And I think they just did that to get Mourinho. And look, we see how that worked out. Mourinho, for the first time, leaving a club since Porto, at least. Uh, Porto, he won a Champions League. But he has not won a trophy with Tottenham. But I feel like that's unfair because he had the chance here in this final. I'm not saying they would have beat City. But I think when you have... I think you would have to lend... Mourinho the chance in the final to just go out there. Look, if you, even if you win, you can be like, guess what? I'm not beholden to whatever. It's it's the Carabao Cup. It's not like we won the Champions League. So you can be like, we can still move on if if it's still toxic. But I think you lend, uh, you know, Mourinho got you there. Uh, see if he can win you the cup so you can have some silverware, right? Giving it to be a guy whose second game is in charge, that's not setting you up to win that cup final at all. So I, I think that was a stupid move from Spurs and why uh, you know, people make fun of Spurs a lot is because that, that was stupid. They they could have they had a chance to win a cup. They could have done so with with Mourinho, I think. Uh they had a more more of a chance 
there, I think. But uh, we can move on from there. But City did win that game. It took until like the what eighty some minute, eighty second minute. Uh, Laporte scores, assisted by Kevin De Bruyne, and uh, City wins another trophy. And that's it's boring. Uh, we're gonna go hey. to <laughs> Man City Invitational was live. <clears throat> I was just saying, it's such a boring tournament. Man City just win it every single year now. Yeah, it's uh, not been great. Uh, But let's go ahead and look at the Premier League results that we have. Uh, The table currently, number one, Manchester City, 77 points. Uh, 33 games played. Manchester United in second with 67 points. They're 10 points back. Leicester in third after today's result with 62 points. They came from behind to beat Crystal Palace to get... uh, When it was level, you know, they would only have 60 points. They would only be two points above Chelsea. But now they got those extra two points from when they took the lead, and they win that one. They've had two wins in a row after those two losses they had uh, a little bit ago in uh, the beginning of the month. We now have Chelsea in fourth with 58 points, West Ham in fifth with 55 points after Chelsea and West Ham played, and Chelsea uh, beat them 1-0 due to a Timo Werner goal. Uh, still can't get used to saying that. We had a red card, uh, Fabian Balbuena sent off in that match. And when you look at the stats, it, it worked out a little bit more in West Ham's favor. It was 50, it's 56 possession, uh, Chelsea, 44% possession, West Ham. At one point, I think at halftime, it was like 79% possession for Chelsea, which is uh, like West Ham really falling off here as we get near the end. Liverpool in six with 54 points, Tottenham in seventh with 53 points. And. Then you have Everton in eighth with 52 points. And I think that's where kind of like the top four battle ends. Everton actually has 32 games played as well. So they actually have a game in hand. They will be playing, uh, it looks like either Aston Villa or Crystal Palace or Southampton. Is there, th- those are the teams with games in hand. And they do play Villa next, so that might be their game in hand there. Um, maybe, I don't know. Ninth is Leeds with 47 points. Arsenal in 10th with 46 points. That's right, Super League Arsenal in 10th. Aston Villa in 11th with 45 points. Wolves in 12th with 41 points. Crystal Palace in 13th with 38 points. Remember, Logan said that they were going down in our prediction show. Burnley in 14th with 36 points. Southampton in 15th with 36 points. Newcastle in 16th with 36 points as they draw with Liverpool 1-1. Equal that one out at the end, and then Brighton in 17th place with 34 points. They're kind of flirting that relegation battle there, but I don't think Fulham, West Brom, or Sheffield have enough. Sheffield's actually they're locked in, right? Yeah, they're gone. They clinched it, right? Yeah, they're They're, gone. gone. Okay, uh, West Brom with 25 points, Fulham with 27 points. So Fulham is seven points from safety with Brighton ahead of them. And West Brom are nine points from safety with Brighton ahead of them. Newcastle has now not lost in their last four matches 
in their last five games, they have one loss, two draws, two wins, as they're starting to turn a corner to kind of stay afloat here, so much so that Brighton has fallen underneath them. But that's the table. Logan, I'm going to pitch it to you here. Anything speak to you about the table and anything you want to talk about from this weekend's results? Yeah, I, I one that that's concerning going into next year, um, and, and really a team that I had I didn't really been paying attention to until I saw this table today um, was just how far Southampton had fallen. I mean, they were up at the in the top four mix for I think about uh, what was it almost a month and a half, two months to start the year, and now they've somehow found their way all the way down into fifteenth. Um, don't look like they can really beat anybody. I know they've had some injuries that they've had to deal with. Um, Ings has been out a couple of matches. Um, I, you know, it's a team that I thought, you know, going into the season that I thought was going to be mid table, at least 10th, 11th. Um, and I know they've got a game in hand, but even if they win that game in hand, they're 12th or 13th. So, you know, it's a team that I definitely look at and wonder, you know, what's next for them? What, who, you know, is Danny Ings? I know he's a little older. Is there a possibility that he's on the way out? Is there, you know, is Jay Adams somebody that that ends up moving on? Um, James Ward-Prowse, I know that he's been attractive for a couple people across the Premier League. Um, and I know that people that are looking for midfielders that can create chances, he, he's been definitely one on the top of the radar. So you, you're looking at a team, I think, that um, they're definitely in a weird position going into the, the offseason. I know that their ownership has a really hard time spending money. It was one of the teams that I highlighted some with uh, Newcastle, that their owners just really, really don't like to spend at all. And I think that with you know, with their poor play, with their poor performance, and with some of these players that could be looking to exit, uh, I think that you're looking at a team that next year, you know, putting themselves in a really poor position uh, where some of these teams might go in and add a couple people. I know that Newcastle's on the brim of always just being bought because I know a lot of people have their eyes on them. Um, and coming up out of the pandemic, you know, what's that going to look like? What can Brighton possibly do to add um, any attacking power that's going to make them good? Because their defense, for the most part, has been pretty good for Premier League. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a team that's concerning. It's a team that uh, I think that we were all pretty high on to start the year. But as time's gone on, man, they just tanked and fallen all the way down there into 15th. Um, they lose a match and then they're really screwed. I mean, they're they're in a weird spot. Even on points with uh, with Newcastle and Burnley, same goal differential as Newcastle, with actually giving up four more goals and scoring four more goals, and uh, only one more win than Newcastle. And we were all talking about how much of a disaster Newcastle was. So Southampton, you're right; they've lost four of their last five, with that win over Burnley on April fourth being the middle the middle game between the two losses on each side of it. Um, yeah, pretty pretty rough. For Southampton, uh, what I what I uh, Matt, do you have anything you want to point out here with in regards to the table, or anything that sticks out to you from this weekend? No, I think I honestly I think the table is pretty consistent with what it I think will look like at the end of the season. Yeah, we're um, really starting to fall into that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and there's always a chance there's like some craziness maybe in the uh, four to eight range um and i think that's more so because you don't really know what's going to happen with chelsea facing all those uh like big teams 
And if if any of those teams maybe go on a run, like they could possibly overtake them. But I mean, other than that, like I, I just don't see it. it. It looks pretty consistent right now. Yeah, West Ham kind of falling off. That you know, uh, they're in fifth. Uh, they're only one point above Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool has Manchester United coming up. Um, they just drew with Newcastle. Are you feeling a uh, and they drew with Leeds? How are you feeling uh, going ahead of uh, number two, Manchester United? <laughs> uh, I just want the season to end. <laughs> <laughs> As a fan, honestly, I, it, I, I go back and forth with this. Part of me is almost sitting here kind of going, I don't know if I would hate eighth place. Eighth place would be no European football next year. Give them a shot to reload, get fans into the stands, get some players back, sign a few guys. Maybe take a run at domestic trophies. You know, they never really go after the FA Cup or the Man City Cup. And... <laughs> 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 so I, mean, I don't know like it, it, it's it's a very weird point I, I think my only frustration with the last two games is that I, I haven't been happy with the lineup in terms of Fabinho being back at center back because they have yet to win a game with him at center back in 2021 um, someone did like a stat thing and I like I think at nine games at center back they've drawn five and lost four but the games he plays at defensive mid they've won four drawn one and lost one and I think that one loss was the uh Real Madrid first leg so I you know I've been a little frustrated with that but I I, some of them just look like they want the season to end and you know what if that's how they are I kind of want it too because it's just been it's been a long year yeah to be honest I'm ready for the EPL season to end uh like we just talked about this table is is probably staying pretty close to say unless if something heats up here and i think the only thing that can heat up is uh, west ham's demise and i don't really want to see them have a (laughs) demise even more because i thought it would have been really cool to have them in that in that top four i would say like i don't even know if if any of the teams that could finish fourth really deserve to finish fourth probably not they they all will just keep throwing away points like i i honestly like that on Saturday was the first time where I sat there and went, you know what? I really don't want you guys to get Champions League because you don't deserve it. You really don't. Like if you get it, you should pray. You should be thankful to every god up there because all of those teams are not. They're not playing well. Even when Chelsea win, I don't feel like they play very well. Uh, no. Last game, I felt like uh, against West Ham. You know, that's a rival for top four, but West Ham didn't play particularly well. Uh, Chelsea only got the one goal. Then they had the draw with Brighton. Uh, Then they had the win over Palace. That was 4-1. But they did have that loss against West Brom, 5-2. And then, look, I mean, we talked about how earlier in the season, you know, once Thomas Tuchel came in, uh, for a while there, Chelsea had not lost a game under him until I think it was the second leg of Porto. And then it was the West Brom game. But they have only two wins of their last five with two draws and one loss in the Premier League. So that draw against Brighton, I feel like the players were just... The players just didn't look up for it. I don't know if it had to do with the Super League stuff or what, but you think that that would make... You know, when they see their fans out there uh, against it and and you want to probably go out there and be like, let's just go... uh, 
you know, like I'm motivated. And it, they didn't seem motivated. But what I also want to point out is that, you know, when we're watching, uh, Logan and I have been watching MLS covering on stateside. Uh, that They've had fans in their stands since last season at points. But what I want to bring up with that is that, like, Taylor Twelman has interviewed, you know, players when there was no fans and, you know, what's the difference between having fans and not. He said that a lot of players have felt like without fans, and I think he mentioned this on the uh, Carabao Cup too when he was when he was broadcasting that, but when he interviews players when there was no sta- uh, fans in stands, when, it, when they look back at that, they say it seemed like some of the games were just running together, you know, just like every game kind of felt the same. And I think we've kind of seen that with some of the results we get this season, why there are so many of these weird results where players just look disinterested is because it's all just running together for them. And when, uh, when we have fans in stands, you know, the fans are calling on those players to do something. The atmosphere is different for each match. So it feels different each time they go out there. And I think, I think next year, should hopefully be a really fun season uh, for the Premier League in that regard. Um, I, I think maybe City, because of Pep, is the one that is able to keep their guys focused. To even when the, you know, even when it's these, because uh, they only have four losses and only five draws. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, they yeah, also but, have they have the most talented team. Like, I yeah, mean, yeah, it's it's it's. I think when there's no fans, talent really can just raw talent really shows and right. and and they they're so their team has so much depth. I like saw a photo of Nathan Ake with a trophy and I was like what what the heck? Like the dude just got a trophy but like he didn't play ever. Like, he just kind of went to City for like 40 million, got a trophy, but he's talented. Like he they have that kind of player that they have at their disposal. Um and I think that's what you can really see is that talent and depth. I, honestly, I think Manchester United is one of the most uh, depth. Like they have some of the most depth in the Premier League. When you look at their team, their bench has a lot of talented players. And but do I think they come in second if there's fans and there's a lot more passion in the stadiums where they you know constantly fall behind one nil and then somehow win two one three one? I don't think that happens. Same with Liverpool. I don't think some of the games they lost recently, especially in 2021, I don't think it happens with fans. I do think it'll be fun to watch it again because you're going to start seeing talent and the passion of the fans assisting the players. And I think that's what's made the season so, I don't know, like it just doesn't, there's just like something not very exciting. And I think it's also even worse watching sports now in America, like baseball and, and football, where there has been fans, you know, baseball's had fans all season right now. And NFL for the most part had fans and I don't know it, it's great to see it um, but I, I'm just ready for the season to end because it, it, it is starting to it's just getting hard to watch without fans in the, in the stadium like it I don't know what it is but it just doesn't feel the same yeah I think part of it is I'm not sure politically what's going on with everything in the sense of you know how much problems America's had with uh, COVID and such but it seems like America's pumping out the vaccine faster than any other country probably because it's produced here it's probably part of the part of it yeah, but I, I was i was thinking you know that like 
other nations to like England and France and stuff would be able to get these vaccines fast as well um, with how well they've handled the pandemic and be able to, you know, get, get some people, get enough people vaccinated where they can have, you know, fans. They did have some at the Carabao Cup, as, as we mentioned, maybe, or when I mentioned uh, Twelman talking about it. Um, that game was different, too, because of it. Like, you, you could... Yeah. You could definitely tell that City fed off of it. I mean, they looked they looked a lot more energized and 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 later late in the season, it looked completely different. And it came to a point where I mean, Tottenham only had two shots and only one on target that Stefan saved. And it just you could just tell that the fans and they were uh, the Tottenham fans were booing the City players as they were coming over the corners. And it just it did it had that feeling again of of uh, like Matt said. It I, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it's like that. And Jordan, you and I know from watching MLS, it's like that. It's just that feeling of of having people, like I, yeah. the, the, it's almost as if the players get motivated more, like blood. The adrenaline gets going more when fans are yelling at them. Like I think I texted you during was it the Seattle uh, yeah, Sporting the Orlando sporting or LAFC? Game, yeah. game. It was the one of them. The dr- they, they had people in there drumming. That the drum was a really good beat too. I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And it just felt different, you know, because earlier that day I had watched. Part of the uh, part of Chelsea West Ham on my phone when I was at this uh, I was out of the house so I'm watching on this little screen and uh, there was just it was like almost silent it was just dead silent it wasn't even like the fake noise I couldn't even hear and I was just like huh like going from this to MLS and MLS back to this it's it's just very weird hearing you know without the fans and you know it, it's uh, it's been nice to have some fans back in the stands for for all these sports as matt said you know even uh you know i've been watching a lot of baseball and just hearing like, like i think 12 mentioned this too like if you have like just eight thousand fans even it sound it feels like you're playing in front of more right because it's been so long since you heard your fans so so that's kind of uh where it, even that little amount of fans, 5%, 12%, whatever capacity, can really change it compared to the 0% capacity because you're you're starting to feed off of their energy at times. Um, so we went over the table. I feel like there's not much else to talk about. We're really battling for that top four spot. That That's the storyline, is either third and fourth, or you know if you lock Leicester in third, then fourth and below fighting for fourth place with only uh, like five matches to go for most teams and six matches to go for teams like Everton, Villa, uh, Palace, and Southampton with only Everton being near enough to challenge with that extra game in hand. Uh, So let's go ahead quickly and talk about, I want to just talk, we got some news here. You know, Norwich has clinched promotion to the Premier League. They have 93 points out of 44 games in the championship. They have only seven losses, nine draws, and 28 wins. So pretty good for them. 36 goal differential. They, they really tore it up. Uh, Watford is locked in to those top two spots as well with 88 points. They're being promoted. Uh, 44 games, eight losses, 10 draws, 26 wins. And then you have the playoffs, which so far is Brentford in third with 78. They have only 43 matches played currently. Bournemouth in uh, Bournemouth in fourth 
with 77 points, 44 games in ha- uh, 44 games played. Swansea in fifth with 44 games played, 77 points, and Barnsley in sixth with 44 points, uh, 69 points out of 44 games. And I think Barnsley was sharing that they're locked in the playoffs. Is that true? Yeah. So Is all that- the teams are locked. It's just a matter yeah. of jockeying for position now. Because they have. Yeah, they How only have two games, games left. left. Oh, only two, two left. Oh, dang. Yeah. I was thinking four. Yeah, so no, they only have locked. two left. Yep. Yeah, and they're eight points up. So there you go. Yep, they're locked in. Now it's positioning, uh, which doesn't really doesn't matter. It. In this it, case. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Maybe for who has leg one, which maybe. Which opponents. I don't know. Yeah, um, and plus if you have leg ones, it's, it's, I mean, new, I mean, it's uh, there's no fans, so like what <laughs> what really is going to make the difference at this point? I mean, there might be actually. You know what? Because um, La Liga and Championship and a couple others were starting to apply to have fans. I think Premier was also one too that they were starting to apply with their governments to have limited capacity for this final month. I think seating might play a big. Uh, like seating could end up playing a slight role because when you look at the the st- uh, stats on goals. Brentford and Bournemouth are crazy in terms of scoring. They have the two highest goals for in the league. So it's like, it looks like the playoffs will be two teams that are high scoring against, I guess, two fairly defensive teams. Swansea has one of the better defensive records. Barnsley's just kind of there in the middle. They're, you know, they don't seem to be like a huge. Barnsley's been hot. They've been really hot. Yeah, they've won like uh, eight or something or nine in the last 10 or something crazy. And DK has nine goals in those matches, so he's nine of their fifty-six goals. It'll be interesting because I I I do tend to look at it, you know, if I'm like bored at work, just kind of see what's going on. It'll be funny. Hopefully, your boss not listening. No, I doubt (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was like thinking about this actually earlier. Like Norwich, Watford, and Bournemouth come up, and then next year starts with all these fans, and it's almost going to be like. Most of it never even changed. <laughs> a redo of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only difference will be Leeds instead of Sheffield, which is probably yeah. almost better because their Leeds is at least exciting. Yeah, I'm really hoping for Barnsley. I want I want to bring this up because we were kind of confused. Uh, Logan, you had mentioned it to me. I don't know if it was via text or on one of our shows, but uh, about when DK's loan was supposed to oh, end. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, their their uh, chief executive officer came out today saying that he will be there for the end of the season. Whenever their season ends, he will be here. Um, and then Premier League. The original, <laughs> yeah, the original loan was until May 2nd, and May 5th was the time that he had to be back by uh, before he was not allowed to, until July to play. They said, listen, he has to be back by May 5th. Now we've got to this point, we have an extension through to the end of our season, but the recall was left there in case we did not make the playoffs. Um, so since they made the playoffs, they've been able to extend it. DK will stay there. He's got, uh, I believe I said nine goals. Is that right? Uh, I think that's right. Um, yeah, that's right. Nine goals in his, like, what, 13, 14 appearances or whatever. Uh Pretty good return so far. Uh, I want to look a little lower, though, so I want to go down to the bottom of the table. Wickham, Sheffield Wednesday, and Rotherham are currently in the relegation zones. Uh, Rotherham actually has 
two games in hand, so they could escape, and Darby could go down. They were just in the playoffs with Frank Lampard a year or two ago, and now here they are with Wayne Rooney in 21st spot. It's not so good there. Um, bad they're, they're, bad time to be a Sheffield fan. You got Sheffield Wednesday and United going down. Yeah, I'd say the Rotherham game in hands are not against uh, bad teams. One's against uh, Brentford, the other's against Lutton, who's in 11th. So I feel like you could probably give them a loss and maybe a draw. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's locked in here yet because Wickham at the very bottom is at 37 points while Darby's at 43. And there's two games left, so that is enough to tie it. But they have less; they have a worse goal differential. They might be locked in. I think Wickham might be locked in. I was going to say Darby would have to get beat by like 14. <laughs> mathematically, yes, point, have to yeah. get beat by like 14. So they're not Hope mathematically the out matches. of it, but uh, yeah. in look, uh, <laughs> it would be a miracle for Wickham to escape this. That'd be wild. <laughs> you imagine? That's when you'd be goals. like, wait, I'm pretty sure there's some match fixing going on here. <laughs> it's like 7 to nil. It's like some FIFA stuff going on. Um, let's look at League One. Hall City is up in first place. They've clinched going to the championship because they put a, you know, a, a press release out mocking the Super League, uh, saying that they're going to the championship and breaking away from League One. They're at 86 points, 44 games played. Peterborough is in second place with 43 matches played and 82 points. And you have Sunderland. There we go. Till I die, right? They're in third place. They're in a playoff spot right now. Uh, I don't think these playoff teams are locked in. League One is a battle right now. You have Sunderland with 73 points. Then 72 points is Lincoln below them. 68 is Oxford. 68 is Blackpool. And then out of the playoff spot, 68 is Portsmouth. 66 is Charlton Athletic. 64 is MK Dons. I mean, Charlton has two games in hand. Portsmouth has a game in hand. Blackpool has two games in hand. I don't think any of these teams are locked in except for maybe per- Peterborough and Hull City. So that is, you know, they've only got uh, two games left as well, right? 24 Yeah. times two. 48 minus two. Yeah. 46. My so boys a lot of these and crew, teams my crew guys are down in 15th, man. Just not yeah. Open. You gotta, you gotta get them up. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, Wigan, the team I own here, they're in 20th, uh, place, uh, just above relegation. They were having some problems going through administration and stuff earlier but uh, in the relegation zone here is northampton rockdale swindon and bristol rovers uh but yeah a pretty good battle for league one playoff spots that'll be interesting to look at the next two weeks in league two cheltenham uh cheltenham is in first with 78 points cambridge is in second with 77 points bolton in third with 76 points there's three automated uh, automatic promotion spots in League Two. Then you have the playoff spots: Morcam, uh, Morcam, or Morcam, right? Is that how you say it? Okay. Uh, Morecambe, Tranmere, probably, yeah. yeah, Tranmere, Forest Green, Newport, finish out the playoff spots. Salford is right outside the playoff spots. Exeter, Carlisle, and Leighton Orient 
are maybe Carlisle's times six sixty-seven. Yeah, they can feasibly get it. They're like really any team with sixty-one points and above has a mathematical chance, but uh, not a not a great chance. Currently being relegated in the relegation spots is Grimsby and South End. I don't think any of those are mathematically done either. When you look at Grimsby, Grimsby has three games in hand, a game in hand, so they have three games left, so they can mathematically get past Barrow, who's above them. All right. Well, well before we wrap up here, uh, the Champions League is back. Uh, Real Madrid Super League founders uh, are facing off against Super League deserters Chelsea uh, tomorrow April 27th at 3pm then on Wednesday April 28th is uh, Super League uh, deniers uh, PSG who never wanted to join uh, versus uh, versus another Super League uh, deserter manchester city at three o'clock on wednesday then the following tuesday may 4th it is reverse manchester city versus psg on the tuesday and then chelsea real madrid on the wednesday and then the finals on saturday may 29th so it's getting getting pretty exciting i think most of the footballing world wants to see real madrid lose after (laughs) florentino perez uh, and his interviews. Um, any anything else, guys? Any, anything else that we are leaving out here? Not that I, not that I know of. I, I you know, it's it's. I'm just glad that the Super League's gone. Uh, that's one thing that I, it's just hasn't been on my mind as much because I've been so wrapped up with the MLS because the Premier has pretty much been over. But I'm just so glad that the, the teams and all the smaller clubs and the people and the fans of England and everything else that they got that shot down. Cause I mean, it was just, it was a horrible, horrible feeling for like four days, just absolutely like gut wrenching, especially for fans that have been around for so long. Anything else you want to bring up, Matt? No, I think uh, we're kind of reaching that point in the season where champions league is just kind of taken over. Got Europa too. Um, got United and uh, Arsenal. They got their their games coming up here. So it's it's just that time of the season where you're getting to the end, and a lot of teams just don't really have a whole lot to play for. And it, I don't know, it's it's always like weird. I always think the end of the season, any sport season, it gets kind of odd because you just have so many like middle ground teams that are just kind of playing it out to the end. Um, especially with not a huge a lot, not really any big battles in relegation. It feels like, uh, I don't know, it just feels like everything's going to be kind of set here within the next few weeks, and then we'll get into some transfer transfer stuff over the summer. I'm sure that'll be fun. Yeah, we probably won't be doing episodes every week just because there's going to probably be some lack of news and stuff, so we'll, we'll probably do some transfer specials you know, every few weeks as we uh, as we get ready. Maybe even like a little bit of the euro coverage or something we'll see how it goes i guess uh logan do you want to preview what we're talking about uh tomorrow on stateside 
Yeah, so we have St. Louis um, expansion team guy coming on a coach. No, I'm kidding. Um, so tomorrow, you yeah. scared me. I was like, wait, did we? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. We don't have any guests tomorrow lined up. So um, second week of MLS. So we're recapping the second week. It was a, a wild weekend. Austin FC got their first win. Uh, Chicharito hat trick. Yeah, Chicharito hat He's coming up out of his grave, um, uh, metaphorical grave. So that's always cool. Uh, just kind of reviving his career and, and really getting things done in MLS. And, of course, we've got um, the disaster that seems to be, um, you know, the the MLS, you know, MLS bottom teams of just trying to bash each other in the mouth and a wild, wild, wild uh, league. If you're if you're a Premier League fan, um, you're trying to watch this is like would be brutal because nothing is predictable. <laughs> I mean, I know this Premier League was not this season was not predictable at all. Um but, starting gosh, to be yes. i mean well yeah now <laughs> it is but uh, man i've never seen anything like the mls um so if you want a wild wheat league to watch while premier league and all of them are down just take a month or two and just why i mean it was only taking me two weeks to just realize that this thing is a hot mess of a league but it's so fun to watch just because of uh, how many teams can beat each other and um each team has different weeks where it's much much more like american sports where it's like you know, you, you don't have the one team just holding a grip on everybody. But, yeah, we've got the recap coming up. So I'm um, looking forward to that and then getting into week three. Yeah, we'll also probably be talking, if anybody saw the, the Ochoa uh, punting the ball into the supporter groups at Minnesota. Uh, that that caused a fight to break out. So we'll be bringing you all the action and drama recaps from the weekend. But, uh, if you want to reach out to us here, we, we didn't even really talk about this, but let me just say this as well. Matt alluded to it earlier. Hansi Flick is uh, leaving Bayern Munich at the end of the season to go to the German national team. Uh, Nagelsmann is apparently being transferred to, and I, I'm using the word transfer because there's apparently a fee, uh, to, to uh, Bayern Munich. So then going to open up the RB Leipzig job, which many people think Jesse Marsh from RB Salzburg is going to move over to, uh, which we'll see. Uh, I, I don't want all these American fans to think it's a slam dunk that Jesse Marsh is going from Salzburg to Leipzig. Yes, that's what they sometimes do, right? That's why they have these multiple clubs, this kind of system that they can move players and uh, managers through, but... It's not a guarantee, uh, so I don't. If he doesn't get the job, I don't want to see a lot of people moping about it. I already started seeing. I was uh, that on was Twitter. They, they um, the the fans should be. I mean, the real heads up should just be. I mean, Gerhard Struber easily going to Leipzig, right? I mean, there's no <laughs> yeah. doubt in my mind after two weeks of Red Bull action um, that that you look, the two look straight at losses, Jesse Marsh. Yeah, yeah do you think Jesse Marsh is cut for that? I mean, Leipzig really could use a, a Gerhard Struber, a really good coach over here. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see how who goes to uh, Salzburg if Jesse Marsh leaves. Um, but yeah, that that that, and don't also don't expect if Jesse Marsh does go to Leipzig that he's going to bring Brendan Aronson with him and he's going to play three or four American oh, players Jordan, all the time. No. Uh, let them live their dreams. <laughs> no, because then they're just all they do is they. Gerald DK and Brendan Aronson are going to Leipzig. You they live for... in their dreams, and then they go ahead and freak out and say that the whole system is dying and everything's wrong with U.S. soccer if it doesn't work out the way they say it. So, 
Pulisic, Brendan Aronson, Daryl DK, Bayern Munich. Let's go. All for fun and one for all. Lewandowski can't hold a flame to the Daryl DK of championship. <laughs> you do sound like some of the Twitter accounts now. Okay, so I will go ahead and wrap this up. You can follow us, uh, Stoppage Time Soccer Show, on Twitter at Stoppage Show, Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Email us, stoppage time show at gmail.com or Instagram us at stoppage time soccer show. Uh, we will catch you all next week where we break down those Champions League matchups, the rest of the weekend of the EPL, and uh, whatever crazy storylines come out in the meantime. So we'll catch you next time. Kane has stolen it at the death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.